For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, May 17th, 2019. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm raggedy t-shirt wearing Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. At least, at least he's owning it. At no, least he's I'm, owning it. <laughs> I don't think anything's wrong with the t-shirt, but Jan, before we went live, said that's a raggedy-looking t-shirt. I think it's actually fine-looking. The only thing is I'm sure we'll get complaints from the people in the chat room. Yes, it is gray, so kiss my butt. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask what color it was. <laughs> We'll start with the big news of the day, which is the Boston Bruins reaching the Stanley Cup final for the third time in eight seasons. I know it was pointed out, and I was uh, uh, I was doing a little research before the show, that if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, it'll be the first time that a city uh, has won a championship in three sports since 1935, which was the Tigers, uh, uh, the Red Wings, and I Oh, the Detroit Lions, which, of course, it's easy. You know what, though? But the interesting thing is they counted at, like, the end of the calendar year, but technically, like, the Jets, when they won the Super Bowl, it was 1969 because it was the 68-69 season, and the Mets and the Knicks won also in the calendar year, but they probably look at the the Knicks one as as 70, but, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a a good point. That's a good point. uh, Okay, um, so – you know, it was a four nothing victory uh, over Carolina. We sort of pretty much say, uh, or listened to the funeral dirge of the Carolina Hurricanes over the last couple days, Russ, because we knew that you know with the the Bruins up three nothing, there was no almost no chance of the Canes winning. Then the news came out that Char was not playing, and I and I immediately said when they when that announcement came out, it says they're giving the veteran guy a rest because they're yeah. up three nothing. They're safe in the series. They were confident they could win without him. Uh, there's going to be over a week break. It makes sense to get to sit him and put John Moore in, and they really weren't faced by him not being in the lineup. No, I mean, I I felt bad at the end for, for Rob Brindamore because he pretty much knew, and I, we were texting along. Like, you knew if that game got to 2-0, it was over. And the minute the second goal went in, Brindamore had that look like, yeah, this train's gone as far as I could take it. And, and now comes the real hard work for Carolina because, again, you know, Don Waddell could be up for GM of the year. That's great. But I still would hand the award to Ron Francis, not him. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he signed McElhaney. Fantastic. I mean, I think a lot of teams would have signed McElhaney given their goalie situation because technically we wouldn't have gone into the season with Darling. Most of us would have bought him out, but they didn't. Right. So, but that'll, that'll be forgotten. End of the day, though, this is where they have to do the hard work because I think they're already on the short end of the stick on the Lindholm trade. Mm-hmm. Jake Bean's got to get inserted in that lineup, so you got to turn Justin Falk into something this summer or at the trade deadline, at the draft. Well, Justin Falk or yeah. one of the other defense. And, and, and you still got Netcast to get into the lineup also, but you're and likely you have, to lose Berlin because yeah. they're a free agent also, which is a 
component of the trade. But yeah, I mean that trade clearly Lindholm going west with Hannafin made, made Calgary this year, and you can kind of see the impact that Peters had on him. Which questions, you know, it worked out for both two teams, right? Calgary got Peters. In, Peters in the short term, far right. Brindamore ended up, you know, a lot of question marks when Brindamore took over the role as to whether or not he was the right guy. But clearly. From everything you read and you hear, it definitely was the right guy for that for that team. But yeah. they got a lot, you know, goaltending. They got inside both Morazic and McElhaney, What they're going to do, and to, you know, it's the same almost like a thing about the Islanders, right? You got what you got from Grice and Laner. Are you going to expect to get that kind of performance again next year? And which one are you going to which one are you going to sign to probably a larger type of deal? And then, as you said, Bean's got to get in there. They got to figure out with Falk. Losing Furland's going to hurt their offense. So they they got to lock up Aho long term. What kind of deal? They're going to give Sebastian Ajo. So they definitely have a substantive number of question marks going into the offseason that's going to really drive what's going to be with that team moving forward. I would be shocked if Furling traded, you know, the rights to him because they can't come to an agreement. Yeah, I, that, that might be possible. But you're talking – you're getting a negligible return then. You're probably getting a fourth or fifth. Right. Back. I mean, but it's going to be something. It's, some, it's something, yeah. But it also depends who the general manager is at that point. You know, if, if you have an astute general manager, they'll try to get something for no, something for nothing. Uh, but if they, if it's – you know, if Waddell's still in there, I question whether they, they, they continue to try to sign Furland and then get nothing in, by July 1st. I mean, I, I don't think there's a chance that they re-sign Furland. And I look at – I continue to look at – at their depth on defense, and that's the avenue where where they potentially could get themselves a scoring forward. Which, and you have to say, and I'm sorry, I keep going back to this, and you know, call me uh, you know redundant, but I, I don't care. I said that this team had a problem scoring. They had a problem scoring during the regular season, but not as much as most people think, but they got in the playoffs. And then in the end, what killed them was their inability to score five on five in the Boston series, but throughout the playoffs, it was on the power play. And I still don't understand how you can have Justin Falk and Dougie Hamilton on the point and not be able to score on the power play, but they went like four for 50 or something. It was something close to that. And that killed, that kills you. I will say this. And, and I really do believe it's true. They'll have one more season where they could possibly make the playoffs in the Metro. After that, they're going to have so much competition in the Metro mm -hmm. with the Flyers, Devils, and Rangers getting better right. that it's going to be extremely difficult. The Metro may end up turning into the hardest of the conferences. Now, Jan, I, I think I think that they what they you know first of all you you brought it up Aho. I mean, with all these other restricted free agents out there, I don't think they're going to go Aho Bridge deal. They're going to try to get him locked up long term. And if it's long term, then Thomas Dundon is actually going to have to break out his check, which shouldn't be a problem for him since he's a billionaire, and sign Aho for I'd say between nine and ten million on a long term deal. But I, I, the question is, you know, they seem to be so, you know really hard in terms of wanting to not pay their players that I don't know if that, that's going to be a long and protracted holdout or what's going to happen in that situation. Well, I mean, he, he projects to be your, you know, when Justin Williams is gone, he's going to probably be your captain down the road. And, and you don't want to step into a situation where you're already starting issues with your captain and creating problems down the road. So, I, I mean, my viewpoint is, is get it done, get it done early. Lock him up. Send a message for the rest of the organization that you take care of the guys that you need to take care of, and just go from there. I mean, that's kind I, of I the way to go in. But I do want to add because you know, in the chat room, they're like, "What about the Islanders?" I'm not excluding the Islanders. The next year, the Islanders could be a playoff team, but they have to lock up all their free agents. So I'm, I'm leaving. I left the Islanders in there 
as yeah. one of the playoff teams, I was talking to everybody about the teams that didn't make the playoffs who were getting very close in the next couple of years. That's where, where I was going. Right. And I mean, right. And right now, I mean, you look at, you look at the hurricanes and you look at how their money is allocated. Very little of their money is allocated at forward. Nita Ryder and Tara Vine and next year will make over 5 million bucks. Justin Williams, is a free agent. He may not come back. I mean, he may retire or he maybe comes back on another one-year deal. <clears throat> but uh, but Aho is going to make the, the kind of money that we were, were expecting to make in that eight, nine, ten million dollar range. They have so much money invested. Their top five defensemen are all making over four million dollars. Now maybe that means they trade Falk, but Falk had a really good playoff. He seems to he seems to fit into their scheme right now. You know, maybe they maybe they resign him. Maybe they can get him. Um, for a, a reasonable amount, Russ. And if that happens, then it switches to guys like Hamilton or Pesci. If if not, then – Yeah, if they resign Falk, then Hamilton probably will be the one that goes. But, again, you know, when you do start trading a guy too much, you are diminishing his value too, even though he had a very good season and right. just a bad playoff game or two. Yeah, and 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 Jan, the, the, the goaltending situation, both Morazic – and McElhinney or UFA. I don't think either one of them is a number one star. I mean, McElhinney's 35 years old, so he's not a number one starter anymore. I don't think Morazic is a number one starter, but maybe they give him a short-term deal. I mean, the funny thing is that the only guy who's under contract right now is Darling, and he's he's pretty much done in that organization. They'll probably buy him out, although you never know. With uh, with uh, Dundon, maybe they try to trade him and get somebody to get somebody else to, to pay, him, pay him that money. But I think goaltending is, is – problem a for them and then scoring is problem b and they can rectify the problem of scoring if they trade one of the defensemen for a forward agreed uh, but i do think as you mentioned i think they are going to try to bring back williams i think they'll try to get him back for one more year right given uh given what he's done uh in terms of the organization as a whole and the type of player that he's become uh i do agree with you i'm not sure if marazic or McElhenney are number ones but the problem is Unless you're going to go out into the market and try to trade for somebody and, and acquiring somebody to be that number one, as we've seen, has proved to be challenging for mm -hmm. several organizations, sure. let alone Carolina, right? They have that Cam Ward years ago, but that kind of was the last two, quote unquote, I'd say number one. I actually thought Darling had a shot. I really liked him in Chicago and was a bit surprised that he was that poor. Right. There, I, I mean, again, Morazic played fairly well initially in Detroit. Everybody got their hopes up for him. Maybe it could just be the post hype where he's finally finding his game. And turns into the goalie, so I think they are going to attempt to lock him up. Maybe a maybe a three-year deal at three million per could be something they do. We've seen that with a couple of other goalies to kind of make you know give them a not really a bridge deal, but a, but a, but a stepping stone kind of a deal to see if he can become the guy. If he's not, then you're not expending an enormous amount of money. Sure, but then you maybe. might not make the playoffs either. Right, right. right. And you may and you bring back Marazic also. You bring back McElhenney also maybe on a, on a one-year or two-year deal at not a lot of money because I don't think he's going to get a ton of money out there in the marketplace, given his age and everything else. So I'm not sure if either one of them are the answer, but what they look like this year, they were not the problem. And if they have a defense surrounding them, the type of defense that we've seen, they can maybe get away with both of those guys. But they they definitely have to upgrade the offense. I mean, we talked about the Islanders having issues offensively, and that's why they ended up losing to Carolina. Well, the flip side here was Carolina just – I mean, look, Rask was great. I mean, there's no question Rask was very good in this series, but Carolina didn't put an enormous amount of pressure on him either in terms of the style of play that they used. I'll tell you what, if I'm Carolina, I let both those guys go free agent and I try and make overtones to Leonard if he goes if he goes UFA because he won't break the bank, but they could 
they'll afford him. Because, look, let's face it. Someone, I think Michael said in the chat room, maybe Bob goes there. They're not paying Bob money. So no. Bob is not going there. No. So maybe they can get Leonard. And if they don't get Leonard, maybe they could trade for Grice. If I'm them, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I mean, that's, see, that's the avenue. Even though they, even though they failed because they traded for Darling and then signed him, even though they failed in going out and getting a backup somewhere that they think could have been their starter and it was it was a bad decision, um, I think that might be the way that they go because it's cost-effective. They could go out and trade a prospect or trade a draft pick to L.A. for Jack Campbell or Cal yeah. Peterson or or uh, there are a couple other situations out there where backup goaltenders, uh, you know, Georgiev with the with the with the Rangers, you know, maybe that maybe that's a scenario that that works for them. But I don't think they're going to go out in free agency and spend. They're going to spend the money on the goals that they need to score. Not right, that's what that's what Dundon has basically said. Right. We should um since Jan's time's limited, let's go yeah. to that next subject. Yeah. Um. Okay. The uh, now with the impending changeover in the hierarchy of the New York Rangers um, with Glenn Sather basically semi-retiring, although he's going to be a, an, advise, an advisor there, um, and possibly John Davidson going there. Jim Schoenfeld, who I was always – who I always said was, I thought, basically a lackey of Sather, you know, because they play – I think they played together uh, back in the day. Yeah. Um, well, uh, now Schoenfeld – now, did he get fired or did he resign? No, he stepped down. He stepped down. He stepped down. Okay. Now, but honestly, he was pretty marginalized last year. Chris Drury pretty much took over everything in Hartford. So Jim Schoenfeld had lost his role, which is a positive for the Rangers, by the way, because over many years through the Tortorella regime, Vigneault, even a little before then, uh, Schoenfeld had been there and and basically had been given the, the okay as to who comes up from Hartford and who didn't. And you could just look at Hartford and know that they weren't great. But you could also look at Hartford and know that they let some guys go there that obviously they evaluated and didn't think were that good. You know, you want to go back to Marsha, so you can go back. And I'm not sure if Schoenfeld was there for that. He may have been. Um, but you can go back, and there's there's a few guys there besides yo-yoing guys, besides not doing the right thing, and, and Hartford really never becoming even a decent team for more than a couple of those years. So now I think – you have somebody there there with Drury who has fresher eyes, better ideas, and actually can do a better job with that. I think Schoenfeld, for lack of a better term, got stale there. Jim, can't argue. Uh, I mean, the best way to refer to it, I think Mike was sort of kind of referred to as changing of the guard, right? You, you're, you're getting, say, they're step, stepping down or moving into a senior advisory role, and there's still question. Obviously, J.D. clearly looks like the number one candidate to get the role. I think we'd all be shocked at this point in time, given what's transpired, if he doesn't get the role. and then. Sean Feld, yes, as you said, Russ, you know, Drury coming in, it's marginalized him a little bit. Drury clearly has either A, had the ear of Sather, B, had the ear of Dolan, but clearly had some some strong push behind him within the organization in terms of the role that he was filling. Hartford has yeah, been a higher fire from Jeff for the last several years. So <clears throat> they need to resolve the um, – they need to resolve what's going on in Hartford. It's – excuse me, sorry. It's been pretty lousy there the last couple of years. So Sean Feld going – I mean, it's interesting to see how they replace him and what they kind of do, or even if they feel the need to actually have to replace him given the role that he was playing, right? Drury can assume more responsibility. Maybe he gets somebody to help out in Hartford as a GM, relieving him of those responsibilities. And then JD's going to come in, and JD may want to bring in somebody of his own to kind of be a right-hand man for him as well. So you're going to see a kind of a change within the organization. He's got somebody already there. Um, 
but I don't know if he's going to bring that person over to Columbus because that person may be end up taking his role down the road. But it's definitely going to be a, a new, fresh bunch of faces in, in the organization, which is probably not a bad thing, uh, given that the last couple of years have been rough. But, you know, Sather did a good job once the salary cap went in. He was horrible when the cap wasn't there because he was just spending money willy-nilly. During being one of those guys he just threw money at, right. Scott Gomez and et cetera. Once the cap came in, he was kind of hamstrung to a certain extent and had to be a bit more fiscally responsible. Although we've talked about, obviously, you've got Smith and Stahl and a bunch of other guys who are making more money uh, than they'd like them to and given the overpayment, but not as bad as some of the other contracts like the Wade Redden type contracts they gave out. Well, I will also say I think there'll be more people to step down before J.D. gets there because I think, and rightly so, I don't think John Davidson wanted to get sort of the rap where he goes in right. and you have to fire a bunch of you know hierarchy in the New York Rangers, I think he's a given, giving them a chance to gracefully step away, which is good. Yeah, and it, it, it's weird because I, I and I know I, there was no rumor of it, it happening, but I found it curious that with Sather stepping down and, the, and nobody really, I mean, other than JD being the leading candidate there, I know Messier made no, made some noises back in the day, but uh, you know that wasn't going to happen. That the Leafs extended Brendan Shanahan, it, it, and and I thought that there was a possibility that Shanahan, because I believe he still lives part time in New York City, yeah, um, that he might have been interested in in that job and in Sather's job, but the Leafs locked him up for six more years. So I think he may have used it as leverage, even though they said he had started talks with the Leafs back during the season. I have a feeling that there might have been a bit of leverage to get things done based on this opening with the Rangers. Not to say that it was going to happen, but I think it could have happened. Yeah, I think. Shanahan does it right. He lets the Leafs pay him, and he spends the money in New York. That's the way you do it. Like that's, if you think about it, that's 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 a perfect thing. But I've never been paid in Canadian, Russ. Yeah, well, but the Leafs overpay, so they'll make up for that that difference. Not the wrong overpaying, as long as you get product, get results. Well, I, they always overpay. We know that. So do the Rangers. We know that. Uh, but as far as the Leafs go, with Shanahan doing this. Dubas is extremely safe now, yes. and Mike Babcock is less safe than he's ever been in his Leafs tenure. That's what this they, this move does: is it solidifies the management part of it, yeah. but not anything else. Yeah, coincidentally, Dubas and Babcock have the same length of contract left: four years. Yeah, Manahan's is six years. So that also says that MLS and E, if things go bad, have confidence in Shanahan to plan the next stage if yeah, they follow each other on twitter they do who does <laughs> shanahan and dubas yeah, look I, I i look i would have loved shanahan coming on i'm a big shani fan i was i mean look it's funny a lot of things we're seeing and i'm sure you guys have gotten to it already with all the stuff in the playoffs there's been a lot of talk about whether or not there needs to be a kind of and i think the athletic proposed another summit where guys get together and propose ideas for video and stuff like that and shannon was the guy who helped obviously resolve the lockout right you know 405 with calling that summit right so not a bad idea. So, I mean, I loved Shani when he came to the Rangers. I loved Shani when he, when he obviously the Devils with the Scott Stevens move and the kind of player he became. So, I mean, jury's still out, obviously, clearly in terms of what's going to happen in Toronto, but right. we're really on an upward trend based upon what we've seen. 
Now, okay, we only, we only have you for a couple more minutes, Jan, and I wanted to touch on this because uh, Frank Cervelli from TSN put in put on his uh, TSN Trade Center list, list of 15 players who may get traded or could be traded between now and uh, July, uh, maybe mid early to mid-July after uh, after the draft and after the July 1st free agent uh, uh, frenzy. Uh, two names I'll bring up before you leave here, because well, both have Ranger connection. One's a, one is an ex-Ranger, another one is a Ranger. Uh, number three on his list is Ryan Callahan, who I think is a, <laughs> is a fait accompli of him leaving Tampa because he's got one year left at almost $6 million. They need to open up cap space for Braden Point. He may not be done as a player, but the injuries are are you know, piling up on him. But there's been a lot of talk about Callahan going back to the Rangers. Do you think that makes any sense for them? Nope. Um, look, I love Callie here. He was a heart and soul kind of player, wore his heart on his sleeve, was the perfect captain. Um, and the negotiations, we all know what happened, the no-movement clause that he wanted, the number of years that he wanted, what were the precluding factors. Uh, look, bringing Callahan back, the Rangers don't uh, – the Rangers – Presuming they're going to be in the Panarin or Carlson sweepstakes, and you have Booknevich to sign as well, and several other restricted free agents to sign as well, you're not going to have an inordinate amount of cap room to sign all these guys and then take on another five million or even half of three, let's say two point nine million, or if if if, if Tampa beats half of it, which may not be enough for them to be able to make a kind of move like that. Right. Bringing him on board doesn't make sense. Hey, also in terms of direction in which you're going for the team, this yes, he'd be a nice leader, and he you wouldn't install him as a captain. But B, the game has surpassed him, not surpassed him, but he's broken down a lot based upon the injuries. And to take on that much salary, especially when cap room is going to be a little bit of a premium starting now because of the other guys that they need to add or they're looking at adding, right. I'm not quite sure if that's a direction I would go in. Ross, I'll, yeah. give you, I'll get your thoughts on this after because Jan's going to even yeah. Yeah. The, the other one is Kevin Shattenkirk, who signed a four-year deal. That he's now into year three of that four-year deal, $6.65 million. Um, I mean, he's a right-hand shot. I think for some teams, he would be uh, an improvement as a as a power play quarterback or as a puck rushing defenseman. Just really hasn't worked in the sense that the Rangers are in a rebuild, and this is a guy who's thirty years old and is a is a sort of a now player. Um, I, I mean, if they go after Carlson and get him, then I think it's almost a definite that they trade him to clear the cap space. But what do you think of the possibilities of trading Shattenkirk? I think there's a fairly good possibility. I mean, I mentioned Brandon Smith and Mark Stahl, both of them making a lot of money. You can put Shattenkirk in the in that in that arena in terms of making a lot of money with the production not matching the type of salaries made. He's had a disappointing first two years, to say the least. He's had injuries also, which haven't helped. His advanced metrics aren't as bad as you would think they are. They're actually fairly solid. But when you watch him on the ice, it's clearly not the same Shannon. Maybe the leg injuries has taken some of the speed away from him, but. I just don't know whether or not I, – I would I would think they're going to have to move one of those defensemen, even if they don't get Carlson, because they need to try to free up some room to try to spend to get other guys, especially Panarin. But I just don't know if the marketplace is going to be there, and the question is going to be how much you're going to eat and what you're going to get back in return. If you just want to dump him and you're willing to eat half of it, then I think they'll go that route. But if not, then I don't know what direction you're going to go in. They can always re-sign Adam McQuaid. <laughs> that is true. All right, guys, I got to go. There you go. Okay, uh, Russ, you're first on Callahan, do you, do you agree with, with Jan? That, uh... Yeah, I agree with Jan 100%. I, you know, we're not in that era where it's the 2000s, like, let's bring Mark Messier back, let's bring everybody back. It doesn't work. It's not a good idea. Let Callahan go somewhere else where maybe he's that one guy that they figure out how to play him during the year so he could actually play in the playoffs and, and stay healthy. 
because I know he played some of the playoffs. I don't know. Did he finish it out? I don't remember. He played, I think he played a couple games. Yeah, a couple games. He needs to finish it out. So that's so I would say no to Callahan and and Shattenkirk. It's a shame. I thought that was a good deal based on the money, based on what he had left in the tank. Mm-hmm. He's not an old guy, but you know he he certainly plays a certain way. Was never the fastest guy. Was never the greatest defensively. But it was the puck moving and offensive ability that you thought you were getting. You haven't really gotten it based on injury. Unfortunately, I would say he has Sandus Ogilis value, and the Ranger fans know about him. Yeah. And he got traded around. I don't think you're going to get much, so I think you're just looking to relieve the salary if you can. Well, I mean, with Shattenkirk, I mean, I think there are teams out there that would look at two years and say, okay, that's more, right. that's preferable, especially in a market where the top three defensemen or at least the top two the the second and third after Carlson or Gardner and Myers some teams might be willing to take a chance on Shattenkirk if the Rangers either take a salary back or if they take a haircut if they if they say we'll we'll retain two million I think there'll be teams out there that said yeah, and you can get a real deal for him right yeah. exactly so I, I I think that makes sense and the right hand shot helps but yeah he's a defense he's a defensive liability he's I think he's a three four defenseman uh, a second pairing guy at best, but still, I think there's value there. So if they want to move him, I think they're going to have to take a little bit of a, a shave off that deal to, this, to make teams be interested. But I think that that's doable. Now, okay, number one on the list, and this is not a not a surprise at all, is Phil Kessel. I think I think yeah. Kessel is almost definitely going to be traded. I mean, yeah. there there is change in the air in Pittsburgh. I know that the the Malkin stuff is out there, but I, I, like, until he gets traded, I find it hard to believe that they're going to trade Malkin and break up Malkin and Crosby unless Malkin has gone to Rutherford and say, I want out. I don't think I that's don't think They're going to trade Kessel but allow the dog to, to stay and come to any Penguins games that, that he wants. That's Amanda's dog, right, that we always see pictures of? I'm, you got me. Yeah, they have a dog there. I don't, I'm not sure if it's Phil. Is, it, is it a hot dog? Does it put butter? It's not a hot dog. It is a dog. And and I think they'll still allow the dog to um to come and visit. But but Phil's gonna go. Uh he'll go somewhere and he'll score goals. Like that's what he does. But yeah. he, you know, I, I do think Arizona is a place that would look at him. I do think Florida is a place that would look at him. Yeah. I mean, I mean maybe well, you know, Florida's probably going to move on at least the, the talk has been that they're going to move on from mike hoffman who's not on this list but i've heard that hoffman has another i think he has one more year left in his contract yeah i mean you could trade hoffman for kessel you could trade kessel for huberto you could go something like that yeah and huberto's got a long-term deal but he's a lot younger than kessel number two on the list is jacob truba Again, this is a, a, an obvious one it's just a question here and this, this is the debate and when we have peter on next week we have to ask him this because i've heard it said that winnipeg is a now team that you know they lost in the first round but they got to the conference final last year oh it is phil dog i just want to give that update and it's phil dog okay that's that's great uh <laughs> um you're really you know what mike that's you you could show a little love to phil's dog as well, I, 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 have, I have all the consideration for phil's dog as no you don't no you're snarky just yeah. move on Okay, thank you. I'm caddy. There you go. <laughs> but um, but Truba, I mean, the, the situation here is Winnipeg can can uh, qualify him and get the final year out of his out of him if they're and then 
basically do what a lot of teams have been doing is treat him as an own rental and then let him walk. But they would have his services for one more year. Whether they do that or whether they, you know, I mean, you know that they'll get value in terms of get, you know, getting back in a trade and it's going to be significant value. But is that value going to equal what his value is to them next year? No, but they're going to still have to do it because they're over a barrel. Uh, Mark Peterson said, what about, you know, them moving Hornquist? They won't. He's their only net front presence. They don't have anybody else that does that. Right. No, and they're not going to move Gensel, and they're not going to move, you know, they're not going to move. I mean, there's been talk about them. I mean, if you can get somebody to take Ole Mata, good luck because his stock has fallen dramatically. Yeah, Mata could be a draft day trade where, you know, you get a second or a third round pick for him, and you just yeah. say, see you, Ole. Yeah, they, just to clear the salaries, making a little over $4 million. If there's somebody out there that is, is in desperate need of defense or – just wants to sort of wants to do a change of scenery type of deal, then that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, number four, and we talked about uh, him before because it was it appeared very close that he was going to be traded at the deadline. That's Jason Zucker of the of the Minnesota Wild. I mean, if I was Minnesota, I wouldn't trade him. But it, I don't know why they're so keen on doing this. I, it, you know, I it could just be talk. I'm not going to buy into it until it happens. Yeah. He makes five million bucks, but if they get rid of him. How are they replacing his clutch goals? You well, may say, hey, he's not going to have 33 goals like he did two years ago, but he's a guarantee to get between 20 and 30, and he's a guarantee to get a certain amount of game winners. Where are you replacing that? I think this is along the lines of the other deals that they made. They got younger and they got cheaper. They you know, they bring in Fiala for Granlund. They bring in uh, Donato for Coyle. This is another where they, you know, they trade. They made the mistake of trading Niederreiter for Rask, and that was a disaster. But they got good returns on the other deals, and it I think matter. you can't always look at the at the balance sheet. Sometimes you have to look at performers and guys that I agree. Know, yeah, but 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 Fenton seems to be on that path, and it may not be limited to him. We've heard the Spurgeon rumors too. So we, but we don't. You know what? We never heard a real trade for Zucker. Like there was never like. Zucker for this, Zucker for that. It's real close. We never really heard that, so I'm not buying into it. Well, I mean, apparently the deal that was close was him going to Calgary, and I, okay. and I cannot remember the name of the, the okay. player who was coming back, but it was, it, it may have been Backlund. I, I, I can't remember for sure. Somebody, somebody in the chat knows it, but it, it's been out there, but it fell apart at the last minute. Uh, okay, no, number five, and we've talked about this before, and X seems to be vehemently against this uh, in terms of he thinks that other teams – already interested. Uh, the other players are going to move. But number five is P.K. Subban. And I think P.K. Subban, it makes more, it makes more sense for Nashville to trade P.K. Subban than it does Ryan Johansson because they have depth on defense. They sure. don't have depth at center. And, you depends, yeah. and they sell enough tickets now, so it's not a marketing issue where you need PK for the marketing because he is good for that. Right. I will say this. I don't think, and I know Flyers fans are going to gasp at this and too bad, I don't think he's getting traded for Jake Voracek. I don't think they're going to want that Voracek contract, which I believe is worse than the Subban contract in length of years. Right. I don't think they're going to go anywhere near that. I don't. Now – could they balance it out with other players in the deal? Maybe. Mm -hmm. But one for one, I don't think that deal gets off the ground. I don't. Yeah, Subban's got three more years at $9 bucks. Uh, the, you bucks. Know, the team that 
um, that's been rumored, and apparently they were the ones that were, were interested in Subban before he got traded for Shea Weber was Vancouver. And if they strike out on Carlson, then that might make sense. Um, that wouldn't be a, I mean, it depend on what they're giving up. I mean, they're obviously not going to give up Pedersen. I mean, are they going to give up Bo Horvat for, for PK Subban? I mean, you know, it, it, what, what I find funny is, and fan bases do this. Yeah. Voracek gets 8.2 until 2023, 24. That's a terrible deal. So really he's not a free agent until 2025. They're not touching that. Yeah. I don't think anybody is. Flyers fans are funny because sometimes they like Voracek. Sometimes they don't. But when they feel like he's going to be traded, they're looking for this great value, and they don't look at his deal. And his deal is so prohibitive, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Michael for Michael Froelich is – One more thing. I just found it. Sure. So in 2021, he gets a $4 million bonus. And in 2022-23, a $5 million bonus. Nobody's doing that. Yeah, and I think the 21-22 is because of the lock, because of the potential of a lockout. No, yeah, well, no, it's 2020-21, but yes. Okay, right. But, so, but, but again, who in 2022-23 is going to want to take a deal with Jake Voracek and have to pay him $5 million bucks up front? No right. Way. That's why, like, all these deals that have signing bonuses, you're going to see a bunch of deals after July 1st when these teams – trade you know when these teams have already paid the bonuses like for example i know the one thing that was in and it's is interesting the ryan o'reilly deal and this shows how the bottom maybe the bottom dollar is the biggest thing with certain teams they made the ryan o'reilly deal before july 1st so the blues ended up paying the big bonus on his contract are you telling me that the sabers wouldn't have gotten a much bigger return had they held on to him after july 1st and they had paid the bonus Instead, they got instead they got Berglund and Sobotka and a great I think a grade B or A minus prospect in Tage Thompson in that deal instead of giving a getting a Robert Thomas or a Jordan Cairo or some yeah. better prospects. So I mean that has that has a lot to do with the value of the value of certain trades. I want to mention this too about Voracek. Those last two years, because of the five million dollar bonus, yes, his AAV will only be like eight point seven for the two years. But the problem is we don't know what the capital situation will be then because you'll have a new CBA and they might say, hey, bonuses, the way they counted before, don't count the same way now. And so we don't know what the cap structure will be like. Right. So I think teams are staying away from um, Number six on the list is Michael Froelich of Calgary. Um, he's got a year left at 4.3. I mean, there might be interested teams. He's 31 years old. He had 16 goals. Uh, you know, I mean – He's a he's a cheap guy, and yeah. I don't mean he doesn't tip at at dinner time. What I mean is he he's an inexpensive acquisition. Although you get his agent with him, and that's a whole other yeah. Four four point three isn't cheap though. No, no, but he's going to get less now. Michael Forleek, Alan Walsh will not tell you that over the summer, but I can tell you that Michael Forleek will not get four point three next year. No, no, but he's got he's I believe he has a, he has a year left. So he's, oh, and in the year after he's not getting four point three. So then, basically, he's a he's an he's a uh, extended rental. He's a one year guy. It's like, I don't know how many teams are going to want to rent him for four point three. Right, That's a little high for basically a specialist. Now, and, and he doesn't really give you points anymore. Not now, much. Now, number seven on this list, I'm going to write about this a little later on because his name has been very prominent in rumors around Toronto. Has been Connor Brown, and. You would think that, and he scored eight goals this year. So, you know, he did not have a great year. Um, he scored 20 goals as a rookie. I think he's a lot better than the eight year, the eight goals shows. 
but he's been one of these guys that has been crippled by his versatility because Babcock has moved him up and down the lineup. The team that has been tied to him has been Edmonton. And Russ, this just screams to me of you're going to get burned on this deal because the, I can just tell you right now that Edmonton will put Connor Brown with his old line mate and oh, yeah. Connor McDavid and Connor Brown will score yeah. or goals like crazy. And, and that's, and that's the thing. And the talk before the deadline, and I'm not attacking this guy, you know, but the talk was a one for one with Edmonton, Connor Brown for Matt Benning. And I'm like, Oh, Matt Benning is not, is not a good defenseman. It's like, then, you know, that just join. I mean, if you're, if you're pack, putting it together, a package deal to get, you know, trade, trade Connor Brown to get a, to get cleft bomb or Larson or nurse, I know it's going to be a much bigger deal Then okay. Then I'll sign off. I'd sign off on that. That makes sense. But if you're just getting a five, six defenseman, which the Leafs have tons of for a, a guy who's a third or fourth line forward, I don't see how that's productive. Yeah. Connor Brown, like he's never getting more than 25 goals unless he does play with McDavid. Right. So you know that you're getting probably 12 to 15 goals out of him. Right. Right, not in the Babcock system. That's why you know he's down to eight because I, Babcock, I, I think if he, I think if they played him again with Matthews, because with Matthews he scored twenty goals. If they put him back together, back on that line with Matthews, that Babcock's going to do that. It's very yeah. slim, I think. Right, and so uh, I think Babcock has diminished the value of Brown. I do think teams are willing to take a chance on him, but I do think the Leafs are ultimately going to get burned because they're never going to get value back. Because I think Babcock dropped the value on Brown. I do. And the reason that the Leafs might be anxious to trade him is because he's got a $2.1 million cap hit right. and they've got young guys coming up from the Marlies who they could pay. But the thing is, it's like all you're saving is less than a million bucks or a little over a million bucks. So, I mean, the, yeah, but you have to look at it like if, it, if he goes through another year like last year and he only gets 29 points and eight goals, he's killed his value. Like there's nothing left. Right, but then you're not going to be spending a bunch like he's an RFA, and you're not going to be spending a bunch. If you like the player, and but his numbers are not good, I mean, you can at least like you have two more years before he's a UFA. That he's a better player outside the Babcock system, so they have to decide: Are we just going to get rid of him now and do the right thing for the player, or right. are we going to sort of let him just go through this? Uh, unfortunately, the Leafs usually let the players sort of go through it when they have control on guys. So you're right; they might just let it ride. Um, Kyle Turris is number eight on the list. We mentioned him briefly. I mean, this is a boat anchor, 6 million bucks, five more years. They only had seven goals, 16 assists. I mean, this guy was a really good player as a number two center in Ottawa. Now, I don't know how Na Nashville is going to have to throw in a sweetener in a yeah. deal big time to get Turris off their roster. Yeah, if this were like the uh, the ice cream business, you would have to get a waffle cone for free, and they don't like to give those up. Either that or – those styrofoam ones that taste like crap. Yeah, they're horrible. Don't give me one of those. I like the sugar cones. No, but – Okay, but but one thing about Taurus. I, I think teams who play a certain style could still use him. He was never the fastest player, right, and he was never the greatest scorer, but, but he was an effective player. Something has gone on in his game that's not the same could it be a system thing maybe could it be it needs a change of scenery maybe so i mean his ice time has dropped from every year since the ottawa trade so he's not getting the same amount of ice time either that that does affect him a little bit 
maybe he does need to change the scenery. I could see somebody being interested in him again if you trade someone of like value. And like said, yeah, yeah. I mean, but five years as opposed, I mean, if there's another guy out there for he's only 29, I don't think you're gonna die over that, right? Uh, Shattenkirk's number nine now, he's got Panarin on this list, and Panarin's a UFA, so I think what he's talking about here is trading Panarin, um, before July 1st, well, to give exclusive negotiating rights, and normally that's a draft pick, but with Panarin, the, the competition might be high enough that they could get a higher draft pick or actually get players back. No, they won't get players. I think a second or a third, but the problem is how many teams are we really talking about? Because the team that negotiates with him has to start the number at 10. And so that excludes a certain amount of teams, right? So you might be only talking about three or four teams that really can afford them or want to pay that money. Right. So how high a pick are you really giving up for that? Like if I'm the New York Rangers, I give up no draft pick because the end of the day, I think he wants to play for me anyhow, and I'll just give him a great sweet offer and I'll let him, you know, take a tour of MSG and, it it could be a Jimmy VC scenario where the you know the Sabers waste a third round pick to trade for his negotiating rights and then he signs with the Rangers who he was going to sign with it, you Correct. know no matter what so the teams may know that already and that could kill his value kill it yeah and the only team that would be willing to give uh, Columbus a draft pick is one that thinks that they're on the outs but they want the exclusive negotiating rights just to talk to them right so I mean there might be yeah, some in a fifth round pick. Yeah. Um, okay. And probably the same goes for Bobrovsky, but the, that was not on this list. This one's a little surprising. Uh, number 11, Travis Hamanick, um, who is a year left in his contract. Remember, he got traded to Calgary. This was, It took a long time for him to get traded out west when he basically said that he wanted to get traded uh, to Western Canada to be closer to his family. Right. Um, he's one year away from being a UFA. He's an undervalued – at least the contract is reasonable at $3.86 million, but he's not an offensive defenseman, and you know he's never going to put up a ton of points. He's more of a stay-at-home guy, um, and – I don't know how fleet of foot he is anymore, Russ. That's that would maybe the reason why they're interested in trading with a year left. Uh, I, I think he's okay. I, I don't worry about Hamannick skating too much. I mean, and you're you're talking about a guy that plays over 20 minutes a game who is a plus 21. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about his points. I never have. I think on on the Islanders, he had more value to them the way they used them. But you know, with Calgary, he's not going to. Honestly, I'm keeping Travis Hamannick. I don't believe they're trading him. Yeah, I mean, I if 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 he is truly seven blocks. Yeah, if he's truly available, I know a team in Southern Ontario that should be interested. And they yeah. and when Lou Lamorello was general manager, we were we were the draft in Chicago. There was talk about a Van Riemsdyk Hamannick type deal between the Islanders and the Leafs, and that never happened. But it would have made sense because the Leafs needed defense, as they still do yeah. now. I, I wouldn't play them. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't trade them right there. Uh, number 12 is an equal boat anchor to Turris, uh, and that's Nikita Zaitsev with the Leafs. Five more years of four. Now, the the the, the, ter- the, the term is the problem. The amount is $4.5 million. Uh-huh. I don't think he's that bad of a defenseman. Zaitsev, yeah. I don't think he's that bad of a defenseman. He's a right-hand shot. But, again, he's one of these guys who I am convinced, and this is my theory, and I'll, 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 you know, I'll stick by it. He signed. He, he signed this long-term deal after having, uh, after playing as a rookie and playing pretty well and getting offensive opportunity. He was more of a. And he played some power play time at that point. 
And then all of a sudden he signs the long-term extension, seven years, and the Leafs were in desperate need of shutdown defenders. And I have a feeling they went to him and said, okay, we want you to block shots. We want you to do play a more defensive game. We have guys like Gardner. We have guys like Riley. They can lug, lug the mail. We don't need you to do that. We need you to be good in your own zone. That's not his game. He's not a shutdown defenseman. He's he's been their one of their number one penalty killers, and I don't think he's particularly good as at clearing the front of the net. So I think he's somebody who has is been hurt by trying to be something that he's not. But the problem is, you know, as a as that kind of defenseman, he you know blocks a lot of shots, but his you know analytics numbers are terrible. Three goals, only fourteen points, and now he's got five years left in his contract. So I don't know how the Leafs move him unless there's a team out there, and, and reportedly there are teams out there that are interested. Well, yeah, because they'll turn him right into an offensive defenseman. That's why they're interested. He's playing completely out of position. When you're asking him, and he did have 151 blocks, and he had 139 hits. When you're asking him to play that role, fine. You played him to play that role. The minute you trade him, he's not playing that role for somebody else. Somebody else is using him as probably like the second power play guy and a top four defenseman. That's how he's going to get used somewhere. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling that the motivation to trade Zaitsev is because there's still an interest in possibly bringing back Gardner. Uh, if they can get him on a, on a reasonable contract. I don't think Gardner is coming back. I don't think he's going to take like a hometown discount to stay in Toronto. Um, I mean, you're probably going to have to pay him close to what he can get on the open market, which is $6 bucks, and that would mean paying him more than Morgan Riley. That doesn't make any sense. So I think Zaitsev either staying or they're trading him um, you know, they're trading them and retaining value or taking a salary back. So, I, you know, we'll see what, what happens there. Uh, just to finish out the list, Oli Mata, we mentioned earlier, is 13th on the list. I, good Again, good luck to Pittsburgh because his value has declined. Colin Miller with Vegas, they signed him to the contract. He's making less than $4 million And they, I mean, he seemed to fall out of favor there, Russ. He's a guy with a shot. I mean, what do you think about him other than a shot? Not much. Not much. And so I don't think he has a lot of value. I think somebody desperate for defense might take him because he's not that expensive, but he's not that good of a defenseman. He's okay. Like, that's it. Three years left at $3.88 million. I Again, I, I not everything Toronto, but I, I, I know for a fact that, again, when there was talk about Bo – because when he was with Boston and when he was going to get um, – uh, claimed in the expansion draft by Vegas, there was talk of the Leafs having interest in Colin Miller. And they are, you know, if they trade Zaitsev, they basically have no right-hand shot defenseman other than Timothy Liljegren, who might play for them next year. So maybe there's maybe there's interest there. Maybe there's interest in Zaitsev in Vegas. I mean, that might be a, a potential. This one, here we go. It's the boat anchor of all boat anchors. Milan Lucic, four years left at $6 million. Untradeable. Yeah. Even if they were, and we, I asked you this before. I asked you this a couple, uh, yesterday, I think. Even if they retain half the salary, what team? Let me ask you this: We talk about this a lot. When do you ever see a team with a guy with that much term retaining half the salary? It never happens. It never happens, but it might have to happen in this situation. It won't, though. It won't. Well, I mean, Ken Holland does he have the authority to? I mean, the the problem is, is that most of the sign, most of the salary is signing bonus, so there's no saving in buying out. So, but you know what's going to happen? They're gonna they're gonna look at Kruger and say, 
not Kruger. They're going to look at whoever, sorry, their next coach is going to be and say, tip it, yeah. tip it, maybe, um, not a guarantee. Whoever that guy is going to be, and they're going to say, fine tournament to Tom Wilson or something, please. And, and that's what they're going to do. Yeah, well, Tom Tom Wilson can move, and Milan Lucic can't. I know, but I'm telling you, they're going to just let him toil in that role and keep paying him. Just to finish off on this, because game game uh, four of the Western Conference Finals tonight, I found it very interesting that the news came out that the refereeing and linesman crew from game three will not be in any playoff game for the rest of the year. So they've they've banished them like they banished the crew from Game Seven against Vegas and San Jose. So the in, in, in a in a roundabout way, the NHL is admitting that there was a there was a mistake. In fact, Colin Campbell was on uh, I think it was uh, Hockey Central yesterday, and I didn't hear the audio, but the intimation was that he admitted that they made a mistake. Well, yeah, they made a mistake. But that well, what, he doesn't have to admit it. The whole world knows. Yeah, what good does that do the St. Louis Blues? That's the whole point, it's right? Like, the whole world knows it's a mistake. Yeah, People great. Admit it right after the game and put out a press release, or don't bother admitting it because everybody knows. Hey, great. We we know that Wayne Gretzky high stick Doug Gilmore. We saw the blood dripping oh, from, his, from his friggin' chin. You're a sad man. You really are. <laughs> the other thing was I thought it interesting. FanDuel refunded all the money. That was I, I don't know if it was the money that was bet on St. Louis, but it, yeah. we refunded the money from Game Three because of the error. No, good for them. That's something where you start to get into a slippery slope. Otherwise, if someone decides they want to have a lawsuit, and you know, yeah, so no, I don't want a lawsuit on that. Yeah, I think that's a that was a good preventative measure to pre, to uh, prevent to prevent um, controversy. That's a good. There's plenty of suckers. I mean, people to um, give FanDuel money. <laughs> I don't think they're going to have a problem. Yes. All right. We'll end it there. Uh, oh, hang on. There's a good question in the room here. I said cool. I would answer it. A couple questions. That's cool. Yeah. John Murphy asked, and he wanted to ask this of Jan, but Jan's not here. So I'll do my best with like a five o'clock shadow and an accent to, um, he wanted to know how the ELCs were for the Rangers and the ones that they just brought in. Well, Obviously, if you're watching the world, you can see what Adam Fox has. I've covered Adam Fox for four years. He's tremendous. Is he a superstar? No. But he's really good, and he'll give you exactly what you were hoping to get from Kevin Shattenkirk. And that's what that's what he that's why Shattenkirk's completely replaceable now because right. they have Adam Fox. So we move on. Kratzoff, I think he'll be good. I can't tell you he's a slam dunk to be good. I liked what I saw in the world juniors. He does have a lot of finesse in his game. He does have some pushback in his game. He's a big guy. He gets down the ice fairly quick. So his stride is good. I think on a smaller surface, he'll succeed, but I really do need to see it. I can't tell you he's a 100% success without seeing him in this sort of environment. So that's, you know, right now I have to wait on that. Now, do you think, I mean, without, I mean, this is before training camp, so it's pure guesswork. But do you think he starts in Hartford? Or do you think he, he's going to start with the Rangers? Yeah, I I can't tell you he's a guaranteed slam dunk to start with the Rangers. I think it will depend on if, if there is some chemistry, who the Rangers haven't traded by them because they're going to make some trades. And sure. so, yeah, I, right now this moment, can't really say. And then Igor Shashorkin, either he'll be the backup to Lundqvist if they move Georgiev or he'll be the number one guy in Hartford. 
I'm sure he'd rather be the backup, but even Samsonov went and took a year in Hershey. So they might be able to talk Shashorkin into doing that because there is going to be a transitional period. He was great in the KHL. People can go to Sportsology. I put up stuff about him that came from the league that also came from other people, a video, other things. He, I'd seen him in World Juniors. He's a very good goalie. He still hasn't played in the NHL with the different angles, with the smaller ice. It right. does affect a goalie. I do think he is a potential number one goalie. I do. But I think he's a number one or nothing. I don't think there's a, a, a situation where I say Shashorkin could be a backup if he doesn't make it as a number one. I think because he's been treated as a number one this entire time, right. that he's a number one or nothing. So I think it's a good bet that, yes, he is the successor to Lundqvist. So I would fall on the side of Coffin and say he's probably going to start in Hartford. Yeah, but I mean, it, it it may be good down the line to have him be the backup just for just to get NHL experience, just to get a oh. little a little look. I mean, and, depend on Georgiev because you're not going to get rid of him for nothing. No, no, and that, and that's the thing. I think there are enough teams out there between now and next the start of training camp that are looking for number one goaltenders. And based the way on the way Georgiev played at the end of the year, and he played yeah, a lot of fire on him. He played a lot at the end of the year. There's going to be teams interested in him like they were interested in Cam Talbot a few years ago because they think that he has the, he has the goods to be the number one goal to, uh, to be a number one goaltender. Um, any more questions? Yeah. Um, this two dope wants to know, does Cal foot make the Tampa roster? Well, I'll tell you, look out on sportsology for an interview with, um, with his brother. I did just interview his brother, Nolan. And so, that will come soon. As far as Cal, I'm going to think there's a very good chance, but because they're a win-now team, is it possible they let him over-marinate? It is possible. So I think it's 50-50 based on what happens in the trade market and well, free agent market. I mean, right now, right now, the Tampa, off the top of my head, you're it's they have four, four defensemen coming back next year, Hedman, McDonough, Cernak, and Sergachev. Now, if they trade Sergachev, they're not going to. They probably trade him for another defenseman because they're, you know, they, right. they have three guys in Strawman, Coburn, and uh, there's another one that's a UFA that uh, are probably not coming back. Maybe Strawman comes back on a one-year deal, but there's maybe two spots, and that might be. I mean, we're not talking about Foot moving into a top four spot. We're talking about him being a five, six, seven. If he's a seven, then they probably keep him in Syracuse because they want him to play. But yeah. the six and he plays all the time, then I think he could make it. It's it's getting close. I'd say he maybe another year, maybe another half year, but I think he'll play in the NHL next year. Yeah. Now, Andrew Alton says, could Wild Bill get moved at the draft? Ghost plus the 11 for Carlson. Who? What? Are we talking about William Carlson? William Carlson, Vegas. I would never, ever, ever include my number 11 in that deal. It would have to be a straight-up deal. And to be honest – I do like William Carlson, but now that I know what the real William Carlson is, yeah. I'm holding on to Gostaspear and, and the known good salary on him. So, no, I wouldn't even touch that deal or even the way that you, you made it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know who the real William Carlson is. I know it's not the guy who scored 40-plus goals, but is it the guy in between what he did this year and last year, or is it this year? Or you know, you, I think you need another year to find out what he really is. I mean, if you're the Flyers – do you try and get Mike Hoffman? Yes. Okay. But what do you get? What do you get? I mean, what are you giving up? I'll give him Robert Hag. You're giving a defenseman. And yeah. 
and maybe they would go for that. Yeah, because it's only one year on the Hoffman deal. I'm not giving you one of my better defensemen, but you'll get a NHL serviceable defenseman, and if you like him, you could extend him. Hoffman Hoffman is the Jeff Skinner of 2019. Yeah. He's going to score 35 goals. Yeah, and maybe the, man, maybe the Sabres will be interested because yeah. – you know they're not. It's starting to look like they're not going to be able to re-sign Skinner. And I, I said yesterday on Buffalo Radio, Russ, that you know look at Tampa Bay and look at Winnipeg, and the Sabers might be the the beneficiary of their cap problems because you know they may be wanting to trade a JT Miller or a Palat or a Kalorn or a Tyler Johnson or in Winnipeg's uh, uh, place uh, a, a Brian Little to a team and Buffalo with most of those guys could use those players. Cause they'd all be second liners on the Sabres. Yeah. Uh, last question. And this is from goalie FP. Russ, do you think the bigger ice that Kako used is used to, is used to, okay. <laughs> he did a little misspell there and it threw me used to could be tough for him to adjust to the NHL. I think there's a slight adjustment. I don't think I wouldn't use the word tough. I would say that, there will be a slight adjustment. I will also say that, again, don't use the World Championships as a barometer as to what you'll think he might do in the NHL because you're playing you know, against a bunch of guys that are at the end of the season have already lost in the playoffs and don't have a lot to play for other than they want to keep playing hockey. So you have to understand that. And, and some of the competition they're playing against isn't great either. That's you have to, like the defenseman he's going up against, as an example. That's why, like, when I saw a writer that we both know talk about William Nylander and the fact that he's dominating the world championships and leading the tournament with 12 points, um, I wanted to respond. He's played against Italy and Norway. He scored yeah. like three quarters of his points against those teams. Unless the Italy defense is going to be playing in the in the Atlantic Division next year, these points are meaningless. Now, you know, great if a player like Kako scores six goals in the World Championships, or Nylander is showing some offensive proficiency, which he didn't show this entire regular season in playoffs. That's great. I think it improves their value, but you don't know whether that's for real until they play again, like until Nylander comes back and plays next year and plays like he did the first two seasons or Kako plays in the NHL as a rookie. We'll see. I will answer one more question because Philly 5-0 says, what do I think of the bold moves in Locomotive? I, I think Mac T wants to be a hockey czar, and so now he can be in the KHL. That's it. Shut it down. Is his middle name Nicholas? Um, okay. <laughs> Have a good weekend, folks. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. For Russ Cohen, for the departed Jan Levine, the closed critic of HockeyBuzz.com, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.